Guru Nation, thank you so much for checking out another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. It really means a lot to me. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to thank my sponsors. The first one is Inato. That's I-N-A-T-O, and you can find them at Inato.com. Inato is business development for free for sites. Whether you are a brand new site, whether you're an experienced site, you go on there, you create your site profile, they will match you with appropriate studies. They will jump on Zoom calls with you to prepare you for potential site selection visits from sponsors. They will tell you if your capabilities are up to par with what the sponsor is looking for, if your demographics are up to par as far as your patient population and your site capabilities. You build out your profile for free. They go to work trying to match you with appropriate studies. They talk to you about it. If you're a fit, they hand you off to the sponsor. There is no catch. There is no budget that they take on the back end. It's just a service where they match sites to sponsors for free. I'm a paid client of my own service, the SES, where we do a bunch of hand-holding for sites, where we help them do their budgets, try to get them studies, help them with their feasibilities, create SOPs, create source, all that stuff for a low monthly fee, 1500 bucks. I use Inato as well because it's free. And why not complement the other things I'm doing for my business development, for my marketing, for my operations with a free site profile on Inato? These guys know what they're doing. They're running tech. They're experts in research and in tech. And they're merging the two things together in Nato.com. Thank you very much. My second sponsor, Versatrel. I was a huge skeptic of Versatrel. And now I use Versatrel on a daily basis, multiple times a day. For any of you guys that do studies, you know that most studies have between 8 to 12 different vendors for various aspects of running the trial from the IRB to the IRT to the EDC to the recruitment companies to all kinds of various things even within those portals that are sometimes hard to find and you got to navigate to electronic patient reported outcomes, the trainings for the patient diaries, the backup. There's so many things. Versatrial lets you store all these things in your site workspace for free for as many studies as you want. And then they have a back-end tool that helps you also do feasibility surveys for your site. So it cuts down the time on your feasibility surveys tremendously. I absolutely recommend all sites use Versatrial, versatrial.io. Finally, Creo, clinicalresearch.io. Talk about a company that I was extremely skeptical of when I first heard of Ray's idea in 2017. Now I can't live life without Creo. I've been using Creo as a power user for two years. I've been playing with it on and off for the previous five years. Creo has an e-source. It has an e-reg. It has a CTMS. It has patient recruitment. It has e-consent. It has financial forecasting. It has a marketplace where you can buy source templates. They have so many things. They roll out new things all the time. They have an incredible support team. They have a help desk that actually is responsive immediately on chat with a question mark right by your workspace. It's amazing. It is all my coordinators know at Yuma Clinical Trials. We started with electronic source and never looked back. It has made our lives so much more easier. And Creo has such a cool 
backend where they're now collaborating with other tech companies in the industry and sponsors. And you just want to be on the right side of history when it comes to our industry and where technology is moving and site-centric solutions like Creo, like Inato, like Versatrel. They're here to stay, guys. Go check it out in the show notes. And now enjoy the show. Live, live, live. Okay, guys, Guru Nation, good morning. It's Tuesday after Memorial Day. Feels like a Monday. Happy beginning of the week. Uh, we've got a special one today. This one, all weekend, guys. I've been sick. I've been under the weather. Just re- recovering at home, going through LinkedIn a lot, not posting as much, just reading, which I don't do that often. But I'm seeing <laughs> like like a lot of nervousness over the weekend and you know, CROs are laying off and we're in a recession and there's a lot of people in our industry that are posting like, Hey, I just been laid off. Um, can you help me find a new job? And as a small side owner, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I don't have my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the greater industry. Like I, I have my own micro environment I can control. And yeah, we lose studies, but we get new ones. So it doesn't really like the net is the same, basically. Like we're still growing. I'm looking to hire someone else in the late summer and um, maybe in the fall one more. So like my small site is growing, but that's nowhere like indicative of of our industry. And mm-hmm. Ashley Margo, my Latinos in Clunker Research co-founder and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, if you guys don't know her, she's in the CRA Academy, CRC Academy, as far as she she gives people LinkedIn advice, LinkedIn audits, resume preps for all of our graduates. She also does it for herself. Uh, if you're not part of the academy, just message her on LinkedIn. And we are also on link on uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. So no more Facebook, no more YouTube jail. So I'm live streaming on YouTube. We can say anything we want. I got three strikes. We're ready to go. Three, you get three strikes, Ashley. Um, but I wanted to bring Ashley on because she's somebody who, and I don't know if we've really discussed this publicly, but she resigned from Remote Site Monitor a few mm-hmm. months ago from a major CRO. Mm-hmm. And she has three or four years of like CRO experience. So she's somebody that was actually going to get promoted before she resigned. Mm-hmm. And so what better person to check into than Ashley, somebody who I think can get a job anywhere she wants. Matter of fact, for me and Chris, for our CRO, we're going to get Ashley some some side job uh, doing stuff for us as a contractor. And we'll get into contracting later. But mm-hmm. what's been the job market like for you? Like how long... Have you been applying? Have you been applying? Are we in a recession in research? So I resigned, I believe, March 14th or the 10th. I still can't remember. It's kind of hazy now, uh, to be quite honest. But since then, honestly, um, maybe applied to four or five positions. Um, Like actively just went in there and actually made an application. Um, and that was mainly because, you know, I've been working since I was 19 and I had the choice to be able to take some time off. 
So that was pretty ideal for me, obviously. Um, and it was just until maybe um, the beginning of May that I started to actively really try to, to apply, um, have conversations with individuals, companies, um, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, I have had recruiters reach out to me actively. Um, obviously, you know, if you have your LinkedIn up to date and up to par and all of those good things, you, sometimes you won't even have to necessarily um, apply, especially if you're a remote site monitor, clinical research associate, um, you'll be having recruiters definitely come to you. Have and you I've, had, have you had? Them? Yes. Yes. I've had multiple. More than um, four. I would say more than six. More than I six. See. Yeah, so you, you just applied to four, but more than six reached out to you in these almost three months. Yes, but these are recruiters that weren't linked to those jobs. These are recruiters that are just looking on LinkedIn for people with my background. I got so, you. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we, we go into depth about what it is that I'm looking for, what it is that I'm wanting. Um, they're obviously, like, economic-wise, I do feel that there is a risk session happening um but as far as in the actual industry no there's a there's a plethora of jobs that are open there's a plethora of jobs that are still opening i mean some of these companies that i'm speaking to that um and or recruiters that i'm speaking to um the the idea is more that the saying is more of the um well there's actually a lot more jobs that are coming down the, the pipeline so you know we'll keep our options open with you but obviously for me, because I'm going to be particular now, because I'm going to be specific as to what it is that I'm wanting to do a little bit more nitpicky, then yes, um, for me, it's going to take some time. But that's something I'm already okay and comfortable with, right? Um, but as far as somebody that's just actively looking for work that has background, it's not going to be an issue. But I think that a lot of the times is you you either lose your job or you leave your job. And we're so used to, especially CRAs, I think we're so used to being busy and heavily busy, right? They, they micromanage all your time or they, they, they micro-use all your time, right? So you're always, you know, if you, if you want it to be every minute of the day, you could be busy. And once it stops, obviously, I think that there's a huge period, maybe like a week period. And I, told this to you in one of your other podcasts that I even felt like I was going through withdrawal a little bit, right? Because you go from being so actively busy to just silence, right? And I think at that point, people get nervous. But in this industry, you have to remember that it takes time, even with somebody with a background, for you to get picked up, or noticed, picked up, and processed, and onboarded. Were right? you nervous ever? Um, no, I wasn't nervous. Uh, like I said, I, I resigned. I made that active choice. Um, but I did go through the withdrawal process. I think that I, the first week I was more in my, in my head about, okay, well, did I make the right decision? Yes, no, yes, no. Um, and then after that, I think the next three weeks I, I was going through spurts of withdrawal and, or, you know, um, I would even call it like a, a, a tweak because there was times where I was, relaxing and just sitting and maybe watching TV. And then I would just, you know, jolt a little bit because I thought I had to get on the computer. Right. Uh, and so, and I think these are, these are real things and it's, it's taking time, being slow with yourself, understanding where you're at, what is factual. Right. Um, Cause I think it's more of, well, I'm never going to get a job and this is never going to happen. And it's, it's like more like it's only been two weeks relax. But if right? you had, if you had to, let's say when you resigned, Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah so you were not part of any mass layoffs but the no. 
a lot of the CROs. I mean, what am what have I been reading then? Am I looking at an alternate universe? Like this weekend, maybe the algorithm is just showing me like the bad stuff. But I read a lot of posts that say, "Hey, I just been laid off. Can you guys help me out?" From like major CROs. Like who yeah. are who are the people getting laid off right now? Well, from what I've seen, and I know you have a way bigger following, so um, but more on the recruitment side that I've seen, right? More on the, I guess, HR and um, and again, I don't personally know those processes. I know coming from a bigger organization before that seeing the internals, um, just because it's on the HR division doesn't mean that they were necessarily just focused on actively hiring. Sometimes they could have been individuals that were just there to um help get leads out or get leads for the actual HR people that hire. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're no longer hiring or that it's going to get stopped. I think it's just, you know, we were going through a massive boom, right? A serious, serious boom. And on top of that, I think it was a huge bottleneck period where there was just so many applicants that these companies could not process these individuals fast enough. So they obviously had to hire on top of that a plethora of people that could help those processes. So I think now that we have gone through what, I think two years now since COVID where we're hiring like crazy, I think now it's like, okay, well, not that we have enough already, no, but I just think that now we're not trying to hire as fast. We're being more particular about our hires. We're, we're taking our time now because we can take our time. So I think at that point, they don't need as many people either getting leads or or even maybe hiring them yeah so it's from the recruitment and the um job location um human resource spectrum it's not from the actual operations that i've seen that i've personally seen yeah that's that's what i've that's that's what i've seen so i mean i think right now because of again the and just on the macro division of the economic standpoint of things and and actually seeing, you know, some people get laid offs or some people just quitting or whatever. Um, I do think that the word layoff is very alarming just in general. Um, and I think it's just it's important, again, that we all kind of like keep our head right and really think about, OK, well, who is this? What's the background? Um how do the job uh, applications that are being put out right now for that particular company or companies, how does that look right now? Because the ones that I've seen, I mean, I'm not going to mention any names, but um, the ones that I've seen, they're hiring. They're still hiring like crazy. I, and I know because obviously I'm, um, I'm already in particular about who I'm talking to about what I might or might not be doing in the future with certain companies or people, but I have still, I like to still keep track of what's getting posted out there because Rule number one, don't assume nothing. Uh, don't assume everything and just like act like you know nothing. And so I always make sure that I'm checking the jobs that are being posted and that are new. And and um, there's still so many being posted that are new. So no, I, I, if anything, I think that as far as CRAs are concerned and CRCs, especially on the CRC end, what we've been having discussions on on the LICR end with these companies that are needing uh, CRCs and CRAs, the, there's a massive need still. So I don't think that in those areas that anybody needs to worry about um, at all. Yeah. That, I made a post this weekend. So I did make one post. It was a short, a video short mm -hmm. on what to do if you've just been laid off. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. But some of the comments, 
And you know, a lot of a lot of the people that are that have been affected by the layoffs mm-hmm. are unfortunately from like non-traditional type of companies. Like everyone knows Care Access, right? Care mm-hmm. Access basically got caught. It was a house of cards, seemingly. I don't know details, but yeah. from the surface, it looks like it was a house of cards that just fell apart. And it makes sense that those workers, most of them good workers, like mm-hmm. got laid off, right? And mm-hmm. it also makes sense that they can't find or they're having a harder time finding work what advice do you recommend let's say for somebody from care access or one of these other companies that are less traditional um but you know like it's still clinical research the people who work there still understood a lot of the fundamentals of our industry like what is your advice for them so in those cases where, I mean, me personally, the way I'd feel is be like, um, you know, obviously, especially if you had the vast majority of your experience situated there, which is not obviously an easy thing, right? So say if I was a coordinator and um, I was in care access and I was there for two, three years, which probably was the start of my career, right? Because from what I've heard, a lot of these coordinators were, um, they started there. And so if that's the case, um, I personally if I'm noticing that nobody's picking me up and I have enough background, um, I would start doing alternative things. For example, um, I would look in my region and look what the average pay or competitive pay is for coordinators. Um, and and then I would go from site to site and or uh, institution, medical institution or university and offer my services, but offer at a lower rate. And the reason why I would do that is because I'm, solely going to be focused on because obviously it's a very particular situation sometimes you have to do particular things as opposed to other people and that's just me me trying to get a job and get back on my feet and get rebranded right so i would offer my services at a lower price maybe just for a certain period of time even if it's six months um, offer it. And if they don't have anything open, go for something smaller, go for data management, something like that. But I would do that individually and go in person to do that. And because um, I feel that right now, especially like at site levels, everybody's just, again, economy, everyone's trying to maintain well. So I think on the financial end for you to kind of help, I guess you'd say shadow the branding that Care Access gave you, is just to reinstate, like, this is my background, this is what I know, you know, try to discuss and re-verify how much you know in your background, and then, again, bring in a uh, smaller offer and say, you know, you're going to have to pay another coordinator this amount, I'm willing to do it for this, and if you want, I'm even happy to do it under shadowing somebody if that makes you feel more comfortable, right, just to showcase my skill set. Again, that's just me acting on, like, dire need if I'm really having a difficult time to come in and and get somebody to consider me and remove the branding that Care Access left. Um, But uh, other than that, it's just, again, like networking, making sure that you are getting out there. Um, But in situations where I understand networking sometimes takes time, takes money, and most of, you know, coordinators, right? Um, If you've been in the industry for a while, I mean, you obviously you have bills more than likely have family. So getting out there and networking a lot and maybe even paying for networking events is not something that's as feasible. So for me, uh, that's what I would do. I, Cause 
at that point is just when you're making applications, your resume is what's branding you, right? And so if what's on your resume and most recent and what's usually the thing that's going to actually get you the, the job that's help, uh, harming you, then the, the next best thing is coming in person, showing face, letting them have, have that opportunity to speak to you directly and sell yourself. Because I mean, that's really what it is, right? You're having to come in and explain your background. And I mean, you don't have to, but in certain cases, um, risk management, like the way I like to put it is, I personally would like to explain myself and, and give them the opportunity to see that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to showcase that I'm not a part of somebody else's brand. I'm my own brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll save my advice for towards the end of this video, but we've mm -hmm. got some questions. And <clears throat> so if you had to, you personally, if yeah. you had to get a job, how long would it take you to get one? Like right now, um, yeah. probably not long, to be quite honest. Um, I've already had multiple offers. I even had one that told me they wanted to start next week. <laughs> um, but I, it just wasn't what I wanted. Um, so, yeah. But would, a lot of the people, so some of the comments from my post yesterday or Sunday, I can't remember anymore. Mm -hmm. I was sick, guys. But uh, um, they said, you know, the problem was I worked – fully remote mm -hmm. as a coordinator so i guess there's some fully remote coordinator positions yeah, out there yeah there are mm -hmm. and that was this whole like decentralized trial thing like most sites do not do decentralized trials mm -hmm. like that's not really a real thing that was a thing that i think the industry or certain people venture capital was definitely pushing it um and we saw what happened with care access to some extent i don't think cvs is part of that boat but cvs also hired a lot and they had to lay off too so yeah. uh, you know Actually, CVS, yeah, i forgot about cvs yeah well me too me too and cvs wasn't a house of cards i don't think it's fair to put them in the same category as care access but yeah you know they did go on mass hiring sprees and then mass layoffs like so do, those are people without jobs as well but to go like if you worked at one of these untraditional companies mm -hmm. and you try to get back into the game, you're gonna have to go the traditional route. Yeah. And there are elements that traditional sites would want to pick your brain for. I hate that term, but pick your brain, yeah. especially if it's not House of Cards like CVS, maybe. Like, mm -hmm. and I guess I'll save that for the end. But the the fully remote. Because you were fully remote. Mm -hmm. Are you still able to get fully remote? Um, so there have been opportunities, yes, uh, fully remote. But I, what I will say to that is, um, especially with coordinator roles right now, um, you know, if you got the opportunity to get a, a remote one and then you got laid off, I mean, first off, like, obviously, it would be a great thing um and congratulations at the point of receiving it, right? Because it is not an often opportunity out there to do remote coordinator roles, right? And even remote CRAs, like other than the remote where you're working from home and then you travel, yes, but the full remote where you're entirely remote, like what the way I was, that is not often. Now, the reason why I'm finding things is because I already have and have some background currently in form of management, right? And I can speak to that 
And so the roles that I'm being offered that are remote are higher level project management, those kinds of things. Um, as far as the CRA roles are concerned, I'm being offered the traditional. Um, now, am I open to that? Yes. Based off on, is it regional? Is it this or that? Am I, can I line up what it is exactly that I want for the travel, et cetera. But for those of you that, you know, for example, people maybe that came from, from CVS that you barely even got to start, right? Um, you have to understand that that, if you are wanting fully remote, that is very slim pickings. And you, along with many others that got laid off that maybe had the same scenario, are going to be applying. So naturally, that doubles down on your opportunities, like just factual right there, right? Um, naturally, if you are in dire need for a job, you are going to have to make, you know, exceptions, right? Um, there were certain things like when I, for me, coming out of, uh, of a job, so I gave myself some time to really think about this because I wanted to make sure that, okay, this is, um, these are the time frames that I'm giving myself, right? During this time frame, I'm going to be picky. These are going to be the things I want. If I haven't found anything that fit at that time point, this is the second phase that I'm going into. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm willing to expand on a little bit more now. And if I'm in an extreme dire position, like towards the end of the year or next year that I'm already extended to my out, outmost amount of time, that point it's like, okay, well, screw it. I'm Now I'm gonna say, all right, I can travel anywhere. I'll travel anywhere. I'll do this, I'll do that. I, I'm having myself in phases, allowing myself the opportunity to be picky, but also being fully aware that if I get to the point where I am in dire need, then I'm going to, so they say, suck it up and just take the job, right? Because that yeah. is what it is, especially if you are in a position for needing rebranding, you definitely don't yeah. want to be picky because these are opportunities that can that are can be lost, right? That was part of my advice in the video. On the, mm -hmm. I did a one minute short, so it's hard to get all my advice in it. But mm -hmm. if you worked at a, one of these non traditional companies mm -hmm. and you got laid off, it's time to get traditional. Like mm -hmm. this was an experiment; it failed. Okay, we can say. CVS, maybe it was even a noble experiment, like a lot of the industry was saying. Okay, noble or not noble, it failed. Mm -hmm. It's time to go back. If you want to get back in the market, you're going to have to go the traditional route, but you can bring elements mm -hmm. of it. I'll save that for the end. But we've got, I don't know if you noticed, we have a bunch of people watching right now. Oh, really? <laughs> no, like, I, don't, I, I can't There's see. like almost 50 just on LinkedIn right now <laughs> watching. So, this is like I'm not like, used to that. I'm used to maybe like maybe 20, <laughs> 10. Yeah, and we're also on Facebook and YouTube, but I'm oh, not looking wow, there. Okay. Well, but great. some of these comments, we got to get into some of these comments yeah. uh, and put your guys' I mean, comments. I got time, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got time. What will it take? Let's just do for you real quick before yeah. 30 seconds. What will it take for you to no longer have time and get hired? Uh, fully remote, make sure that you meet the amount that I want to get paid, obviously. Um, great benefits, of course, kind of the the up, the offside of coming from a really great company, right? <laughs> you want to get all the great benefits and stuff. Um, and then also autonomy in the sense of understanding that I have things I'm doing outside of my work that are industry related. They don't clash, but it's just I like to be present. I have all these things that I'm involved with, if you see right here. Um, and I'm, 
they whoever I work with needs to be comfortable with that. Uh, period. Like that's not a non-negotiable. Um, and I would say no micromanagement because I have my background because I know what I know to what to do, and I don't need somebody like hounding down on me, right? Um, because I got awarded for reasons, and so that's just it is what it is. And that's I think would be about it. All right. Some fair, some fair <laughs> conditions. Uh, if you're white, we're going to get to the comments right now. Put your comments. If you're listening on the podcast later, it's obviously not live, but you want to mm-hmm. tune into live. So LinkedIn, YouTube, those are the channels to go. Um, share this right now. Okay. If somebody's, there's a lot of people obviously uh, concerned about the state of the industry, which I think it's a tale of two industries, and uh, we can get into that too. But share this right now so somebody who needs to see it can watch it. Ashley Margo's available for anybody who wants to talk. Okay, here's the first. I don't understand why the company, Huma, Huma says, I don't understand why the company is posting the same job for months, and we can see hundreds of applicants. Why don't they give a chance to anyone? Don't they find a suitable candidate amongst those hundreds? Ashley, as someone who was in the belly of the beast in one of these places, what what are they doing here? So one, I think that um, just like anything else, right? If we're not working or in that division or in the department, like we're gonna have our own opinions about it. But from my understanding is that um, when it comes to HR, you know, at least from my background in HR in the clinical industry, you have to leave the post up for a certain amount of time. Uh, one. And then two, it also depends on when exactly they're needing somebody. If there's a deadline and that's months down, then there's not going to be a huge rush to go through those applications right away. And that also means that it gives them the opportunity to pick up more potential competitive applicants. So, I mean, on a business standpoint, I don't blame them for doing that. It's smart, you know, and it just is what it is, you know. that's honestly all I can say about that. Um, again, this is also our, as somebody that's applying, it's also our responsibility just to make sure that we're not putting all our eggs in one basket or a small amount of baskets because we're setting ourselves up for failure in the sense of, you know, okay, well, I really want this job. I really want this company, this one, this one, this one. It's like, well, you know, when you look at risk management and actual statistics of you getting it, it sometimes it's not there. And you have to be fully aware of that, okay with it when you send in that application. The way I do it or what I would do it in the past is I wouldn't even look at the number of applicants because one, you don't know if these applicants even have any background. You didn't even know if they have anything particular to what it is that they're looking for specifically, um, if they come with licensing uh, or no licensing, or if they're just kind of one one of those um, YOLO applicants that are just like, hey, I don't meet this, but let me just apply. I mean, I was one of those when I started and I applied probably within a two month period to, I'm not even joking, potentially a hundred, hundred some uh, jobs. Just because I said, I don't care. I know I don't meet the qualifications I'm just going to get my crap out there and get it out there and that's it, right? I have nothing to lose. So you making these, um, letting these things kind of run in your head about, well, there's so many and and I'm never going to get it. It's You have to just apply and let it go. That's literally the best way to do it. If not, you're going to let your wheels run. And and the thing is, this, this industry is what it is, you know, and that's something you just have to be aware of coming into it, right? Um, and just give it 
give it time. Here's the next, here's the next question. <clears throat> What's your opinion on the following? I'm a currently a trainee project manager at Fortria. I have never been a CRA, but want to maximize my income. What is the better career in that regard, PM or CRA? Fortria, for those that don't know, it's LabCorp spun off a new CRO. Mm -hmm. I think this is like supposed to be the next Covance, but it's oh, okay. uh, they're going to be publicly traded. You'll hear this name a lot, I think, because it's something like $3 billion a year. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know. They're, it's going to be a big CRO, but they're called Fortria. Okay. And I assume it's going to be all the LabCorp stuff like that used to be Covance. But well, don't quote me on that. But it's going to be a big CRO. If you're project management, um, for me, I'm uh, just on a whole. I've always, even before this industry, I've been huge on strategy, right? Um, and strategy is how well can I take what I'm doing and be able to maneuver within my industry and outside of the industry if needed on a, on a whim. Project management, I will say, um, I haven't jumped into it in the industry. I've, I've touched it. I do project management more on the industry end for the organization or, or the site stuff that we do. Um, project management is something that is fluid throughout all industries. So naturally for me, I would say project management would be the most safest recourse that you could always, uh, you could have because that can go any which direction. Um, and I also, I do think that project management has some benefits. Most of those jobs can and usually are remote. Um, and if they're not remote, it is something that you can negotiate to being remote uh, as opposed to CRA. Um, and another thing is that I do feel there is more room for growth in that area in the sense of pay and you know uh, all those kinds of things. So a lot of more benefits on that end, in my opinion. Oh, really? You think that PM is more growth opportunity than CRA? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Why? Do you think AI has a lot to do with this or? Uh, I mean, oh, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. No, um, no, just a little. Just yeah, touch, yeah, yeah. touch so, um, mild, so, just gently touch it. Yeah, gently touch it. Yeah. So I do think that when it comes to the work of the CRA, I think that there is and already are a lot of uh, things being put in place to help manage that role a little bit more on the auditing and or document processing side for project management not so much right because project management really comes down to i think your your people skills your pro your own personal processing skills your organization because there are some really amazing project managers out there that can do so much it's insane and then there's some out there that just are not meant for that job like just honestly so Again, it, uh, but don't go into that role with a light, you know, a light touch. Understand that when you get into that in the industry, especially if you're getting into bigger roles and bigger, pay, higher paying roles, you are going to definitely get paid for the amount of work you do. Right. So that's that's the uh, same thing with the CRA. Right. But um, I think that project management, there's so much more need for managers out there that if you are somebody that is ambitious and, and goal-oriented and actually focused and efficient, you can move so fast in project management and and you can really level up your pay, I think. That's my own personal opinion. All right, let's breeze through some of these. That's a good take, interesting take on this. Mm -hmm. uh, busy CROs and companies don't care about people who come and go frequently. No sustainable staff. What say you, Ashley? 
confirm uh, or deny this rumor? Come and go frequently in the sense of um, <laughs> like getting hired, leaving, getting hired somewhere else and coming back. Yeah, CROs don't care about people who come and go frequently. I mean, true or false? Mm, I think that that's debatable. I'm not going to say okay. true or false, but it's debatable in the sense that if you have a great background and senior CRA or senior project manager, they're going to, they're also going to, I think, take one in the mouth, like put their foot in their mouth and just bring you back on. Should you have a great track record? Because again, I think it comes down to there's so many entering the industry, but there's not a lot that are sustaining it with a lot of experience, right? Where they're trying to build that cohort of people now that influx during COVID. So I think that those that do have heavy sustainability and senior management, all that stuff, they're always going to, they're going to be lucky to be able to always come and go as they please and constantly you know, be asking for more. And I think this has already were, been happening in the industry, but it's weren't you weren't you at a ACRP or something recently? The you were at something, right? Yeah. The conference, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was not that long ago, like last month. No, it was uh or late May to early uh, late April to early May. Association of Clinical Research Professionals. Yeah. What well, uh just off the top of your head, like approximately how many attendees were there? Oof, uh, I would say a few hundred for sure. Um, a few hundred. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how many were practicing CRAs or remote site monitors? Oof, that I don't know, but there was a lot of, I think there was definitely more CRAs, but um, there was a heavy amount of project management and or leading individuals uh, in the industry for uh, management. So, right. Yeah, definitely. But if you take out managers, all right, okay. let's. I'm trying to get like a trying to figure out something here. So if yeah. you take ACRP, this is like the conference mm-hmm. for the people. Yeah. Right. We're co- everybody come. By the way, sossaveoursites.com. Actually, <laughs> yeah. we have a conference for the people too, and mm-hmm. it's affordable. But forget all that for a second. Yeah. This conference, couple hundred people, ACRP. Take out management. Mm-hmm. And leadership roles, like people, execs, or like leaderships. Yeah. How many workers were there? Coordinators or CRAs uh, I would say or remote site monitors? A big percentage. handful. Uh, percentage, I would say. Like half? Yeah, I would say half. Half. That's not bad. Okay. No, there was a there was a good okay. amount of people there that, um, and that also that that, I, that we met right um, at, at the exhibit. So yeah, I mean there was a quite. A handful and mind you that there was um in the the very first day there was the workforce um and it was a full day event um there was a workforce um workshop and then there was the uh well there was a project management one too right but um the workforce one was there and then pretty much everything that are in the sessions these are research related sessions site related sessions so i do feel like there was a lot of people and attendance that were signed. Did you witness or see people getting interviewed there, informal interviews? No, 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 I did not. Okay. No, okay. no. This is why, I mean, we still haven't decided yet, but this is partially why we want to do that at Save Our Sites. Save Our Sites, yeah. 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 Okay, let's get back to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. In Korea, I'm a CRA two years, but find hard to find in-house CRA role. Does overqualification exist? In-house CRA at a site level or in a CRO sponsor, um, I would say that in a CRO sponsor, 
not as often anymore. Um, I think that the CRAs that and or remote type monitors that were already housed in these past few years have been seniorized or like they they were um, uh, fathered into those house in-house CRA roles. They had first pick. That's what I'm thinking right now. I, I feel like most people that are coming into the industry and applying, they're still in the mindset of what was being offered during COVID. You have to understand, it's the same thing goes for nurses because I have friends in the clinical industry because I had 13 previous years of clinical industry. Uh, it, it, same thing was happening with nurses. They were they got a huge surge of pay during COVID. Um, and I'm talking about close to 75 an hour for some. And now that, you know, COVID's kind of taken its backseat a little bit. Um, now people are going back to the old pay, right? And so it's, it's you know, you're having difficulties coming back to this transition. And you have to understand where we were was a different whole scenario. We are going back to what we were and maybe with a few adaptations. So, yeah, um, I would say if you're looking for fully in-house remote, I mean, again, open up, widen your, your opportunities for yourself because it's, there's not, they're not as often or as much, I would say. Okay. Angel, shout out to you, Angel. What's up, man? Great conversation. How much would you wait for a promotion that has not yet happened? So it depends on what level you're in. So for example, where I was at a CRO level, I had a really amazing communication with such an amazing line manager who made such a huge impact in my, my career. Um, and, um, shout out to him if you haven't seen this, but, um, you communication is key. So if you know, you want a promotion, let's say a year from now, you would like to be in a better role, speak with your hiring manager or whoever it is that you're working with. Right. And say, I want this role, or I want to get this much pay at the end of this year. I'm letting you know, because I'm working towards it, lay out everything that you're going to do certifications, training, uh, process improvements that you're going to work on. Obviously, make sure that whatever you are saying, you actually showcase that at the end of the year, because if not, you're not going to look like you are able to uh, efficiently uh, provide what you say, right? And if you can't, for whatever reason, have that reasoning available right at the end of the year, but be organized, right? Don't just say you want a promotion because, oh, well, I do this job and it's a year later. You need to also have a reasoning to showcase the person that you need to, I guess, sell yourself to. Um, like, hey, this is what I did. Now, I obviously said this a year ago. I was able to make it happen. Obviously, I have my worth here. This is what I want. And if you can't, well, fine. But now you can take that, your role, your experience, and your elevated new, I guess you could say, um, sort like portfolio of things that you created this year. You can go and take that elsewhere. Right. And that's the whole point. It's not about putting your, yourself in the hands of somebody else. It's taking your career into your own hands and then laying that out for your manager, your company or whoever and saying, this is what I have. Can you take it and work with it? Or do I do you have to just do I have to leave it? Right. Do I have to go? Um, and when you have that mentality and that mindset, you really you know, you really can do things for yourself. I think I can, to be quite honest, if it wasn't for everything I was involved with outside of my work, the way I would have approached my resignation probably would have never have happened. I would have not have uh, had the confidence to say, so hey. That's a key point right there. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You felt empowered. Yes. 
you your work on your own, like on your own brand, yeah, empowered you to turn down a role or resign from a role because they were not fulfilling their end of the promise, more or less. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe not feeling fulfilling their end on the promise. It was more of a, a thing of like, okay, well, this is what we're expecting. And for me, I was just like, well, there's things that I'm okay with and there's things I'm not okay with. Right. Yeah, and yeah. we need to meet in the middle and there was no middle to be had. And so I was put in a scenario where it was just like, all right, am I willing to take away from myself to give so it gave you else. leverage it, it gave, gave you me leverage. leverage yeah and obviously you know um what i'm doing outside it speaks volumes right and it's not like i'm doing it because oh i want praise or, no i'm doing it because this is me this is what i like and i feel like it also showcases more than i even need to speak on it about what i can do right and i'm not saying you know everybody go and build your own company or be a part of these organizations, whatever, like, you know, do what you want to do. What I'm trying to say though, is that build up on what you're good at, right. More than what somebody's asking from you, do it yourself for yourself. So that when it comes time to ask for something, you don't have to question, Oh, well, I guess, you know, cause I've met people like this, like, well, I guess, I, I guess, you know, they just didn't feel like I met the cut this year. And it's like, no, screw that. I did meet the cut. It's their problem. I'm going to take this elsewhere because somebody will see what I can do. And that's it. Right. And maybe it's not so easy and simple as that for everybody, but you know, you take in what they say, they don't want to give you what you want. Fine. You know, smile, you know, do your, do your work and slowly be applying elsewhere or somebody is looking for that. Go to ACRP, go to save our sites conference, go to network with people. Look at how many people are watching just on LinkedIn right now. How many? From the comments. Uh, 48, right? So, like, there's people in the comments that are watching live. Like, there's networking going on in the comments. There's people been hired from the comments of these live streams in the past. Like, the re- networking happens everywhere. It doesn't just yeah. happen at conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a good point you bring up about having a brand. I wanted to just take that a step further maybe that's another podcast like building up your own leverage yeah to because every company needs workers like we're not ai is not here to take over anyone's jobs anytime soon like the everyone's gonna need workers my site cannot function without my coordinators cro's can't function without cra's without remote site monitors without project managers it's we need you guys and you guys don't understand how much leverage you actually have yeah. and that compounds when you recognize that and you start building up your skill set and you start networking with other people. Yeah. hundred percent. That's good, really good advice. How much of issue is being overqualified or having too many years of experience for a role that's not being filled? Do you find this as an issue? Um, I know of somebody, um, I don't know if he's on right now, but uh, Alejandro, who, you know, um, he's actually been going through that, which I think is quite interesting. Alejandro, what yeah. up? <laughs> I don't know if he's here, but uh, yeah. So, yeah, he's been going through that, too, because he has um, 15 years of clinical industry, five years of management and three years of research. And he's having a hell of a time trying to get interviews, which is insane. Um, to be quite is it honest. because he's not willing to take a pay cut or it's 
Uh, and that's the thing. He's not even like going to the, they're not even getting to the point of the pay. And, but yeah, he's willing to, he's willing to take a pay cut because he knows, you know, as you're moving forward, you know, how, how far it can move up. Like he's literally, he's going, he's, he's asking for the lower end of CRC just to get his foot in the door because he knows know once what? he gets in there, you know. So as a site owner. Yes. I'm in a little bit of an island in Yuma. It's actually a desert, but it mm -hmm. might as well be an island where there's mm -hmm. no other site for like a hundred miles, mm -hmm. uh, except the hospital in town, but no one wants to work for them. So <laughs> uh, it's true. No one does. So as a site owner, if I saw somebody like that, but I were in a competitive market, mm -hmm. okay, like not in Yuma, but me in LA, me back in LA. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think twice about hiring this person because I'm thinking, okay, they just want to come here to like get their, get their um, experience current. Yeah. So by the time I'm done training them on my studies, they're gone. Like they're going to go be remote site monitor. Snowballs. Wow. <laughs> That's the risk. That's the risk. Like, so I think Anthony, there is some truth to this, despite the PC answer of no, nobody, cares like there is some truth but how does the candidate i guess Hold persuade on. someone to do that how and do they persuade yeah i think that feels very it's a bit difficult i would say sorry i just i need to put on my my charger real quick apologies uh, no worries but this is like this is a real i'm giving the side owner perspective on this topic and Overqualification does exist, but if I were to interview this person, like I would still interview them because I, I'm interested enough as a site owner to still interview these people. I would try to get in their head, and if and if I feel like they're being genuine about their five-year goals, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe their five-year goals changed. Like maybe it's to be a site director. Well, maybe I do want to eventually replace myself at the site and have someone. So overqualification is exists. But it's it's the way the candidate uh, presents, and it has to be the right match too. Like not mm -hmm. every site's gonna look for a site director. Yeah. So you have to like kind of pick your your interviews well, but it doesn't hurt to do more interviews. Mm -hmm. That's the real thing, though. It is it is what people are out there having yeah. that issue. Yeah. Why so. would I train someone three months? I'm losing money when I train an employee for the first three months. Like. They don't know how to do the studies. They might have experience. They don't know how to do my studies. So I've, I don't know how to do my studies when they're new. We when have I to was, train all of us. When I was applying, I actually had somebody tell me that. And I remember um, I got to the very end with the hiring manager. And it was it was kind of funny because I said something around the lines. And she's like, well, you know, do you feel like you're overqualified? And I, I, I like giggled a little bit and I said, well, do you, or so I was like, I'm sorry. Are you asking me if you think I have all the qualifications and can save you money in the process. Yes, I went like that. And then, uh, and she laughed and, and she was like, yeah, well, because you know, you know, she would explain her scenario. And I said, look, I'm like you, you're a manager. You have a lot on your plate. Like, I'm here to help you. You know, I'm here to help you. The fact that I have all this experience, I'm going to let you relax. My, the way that you're going to train me is going to be so much more easier than everybody else. And, you know, like it's, it's how you interview. It's how you sell yourself, honestly. And uh, I do think I have a good knack at that, to be quite honest. I can gauge people, but it's how you approach it. If you are getting asked these questions and if you are being 
told you have too much experience. And obviously when you get told that right off the bat, naturally people kind of shrug inwards and sink and they already feel defeated just by hearing that. It's, yep. it's how you, <clears throat> it, right? Like, you know, no, no, you, you have to talk to them. Like they do not understand what they're talking about. And that's exactly how I approach these people. Like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, like, you so you have to you have to reverse engineer who's interviewing yeah, you. Yeah. And that means you got to do your homework. So you got to go into it. <clears throat> you got to know, okay, there's a small company. It's a big company. It's mm -hmm. a little bit harder to do it at the big CROs, though, because it almost yeah. feels like an entire system mm -hmm. is interviewing you as opposed to, like, just a person. Yeah, 100%. Samantha says Alejandro and I are in the same boat. It's crazy. It's a there's a thing. lot of us in the same boat, guys. Okay. SOS conference. Yes. Um, guys, SOS, seriously, yes, go save on. our sites. Hold on, let me get okay. We if gotta you, get this free commercial underneath. Save get, our sites. First of all, you're gonna get to meet us, which I would love to meet everybody. I mean, Ashley's a co founder, she's one of the like owners of this thing. Like, we, I'm gonna we make want sure there. that we're touching on all these aspects because I do feel like these things aren't being talked about enough, and um, we are gonna have sponsors you know, companies there. So, you know, having these conversations, thanks to Brad Gar uh, <laughs> Brad and uh, Dr. Fox, they are going to Ooh, be there. Brad Hightower, man. Hightower. Yeah. Brad, Dr. Fox, Chris, Judy, Chris, who nobody ever sees or knows, Judy, <laughs> Ashley, Monica, myself. <clears throat> we are Save Our Sites Conference, and it's for everybody, not just sites. It's for... Yeah. People and that want to work at sites. We understand. We understand. It's super cheap, you guys. Like, super, super cheap. Yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, other conferences, this <laughs> one's actually good. ACRP is the clinical certified clinical research professional worth doing. I think that. Are you talking about research. getting like ACRP and then coordinator, like taking the examination? Yeah, Honestly, but this one is the clinical professional designation. I know because I almost did this once for myself like 10 years ago mm -hmm. and decided not to like in the middle of the application i'm like why am i doing this you know i'm a site owner like yeah it's nice to put this behind my name but what is it gonna do and like it could help you get more studies and one of the things i'm doing i'm encouraging my staff once they qualify my coordinators to get the ccrc certification and we'll even pay for it because i do think when you have a site selection visit and you have ACRP certified staff, it helps you a little more, but it's not like a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to pay for our staff, our coordinators, once they qualify. But you, you, it, I think you need like two years of experience before you can even qualify to take one of these tests. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's worth it. Me personally, no, I don't. I, I don't think so. Um, ah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but here I'm, I am being the safe one again. <laughs> uh, but I'm also not to say that I don't appreciate what ACRP is doing. Um, I think that what they're doing in the industry right now, helping do these sessions, it was my first time this this past uh, April and May that I went, and I actually very much enjoyed it. So I do think their conference, if you can afford it, um, definitely go and network. As far as the certifications are concerned, I mean. I think that when, I mean, when you're talking about like old guard, meaning people or organizations that have been around for the longest time, I think when you're going to these organizations, yes, that it does help. Just because, not so much because of 
I think the training uh, that you get or like the understanding you get, I think it's just the fact that it's again, branding. ACRP has been here for so long. They're not going to sit down and say, okay, well showcase to me exactly how much, you know, they're not going to do that in the interview uh, other than your basic questions. And they're not going to do that, you know, when you actually get the job. So I think it's just the fact that, okay, well, ACRP has been around forever. Um, you know, because they've been around forever, they created this examination. It's them or SOCRA, you know, and so that's just official stamps, right? I mean, that's not to say that when SOS grows, if we have our own certification, we're not going to wait for you to do two years. If you have the knowledge, you have the understanding, you're getting the exposure, let's create an examination, get you but done. You know what I like? You know what I like way more than certifications, and that's going to be a CRA Academy and a CRC Academy advertisement, is mm -hmm. real work experience. Like we yeah. have in the CRA Academy a real, real, not mock, real breast cancer study that our interns get to work on. We are working on getting five new protocols for rare disease for our CRA Academy and CRC Academy. Mm -hmm. I think that's to me more important than a certification. It is. It and is. if a certification comes with it, so be it. Ashley, take this question. I. I'm going to get some water because I didn't okay. realize that I'm not over this cold. For sure. But how is the hiring landscape evolving for regulatory compliance or project management professionals? Take that in general. Yeah. I know you don't have that much experience with oncology. Yeah. And I'll be right back. Okay. And what kind of skills and qualifications are increasingly sought after by employers in this role? So, yeah, I've actually seen a lot of regulatory and project management. I've actually been seeing this more often at site level. So usually when we think about site level, we're talking about just one doctor's office, but I'm, I'm seeing these big companies that have multiple sites, kind of like a site network. Um, they're creating these departments to kind of oversee that as a whole. Um, so these naturally, I mean, for the most part, uh, the most basic skill sets that honestly in, in all of research is important, quality assurance, Right. Um, why? Because good clinical practice, we need to make sure that, you know, the patients are being taken care of. The way to do that is to make sure documentation is accurate, making sure the processes are going through. Well, again, this is a C what a CRA comes and doesn't overseas, but regulatory and project management are kind of uh, a bigger scoping view. I think project management is like the overall view of that. Uh, regulatory is more focused in on obviously regulatory. Um, but I, I don't think there's just one set skill. I think, again, it comes down to your exposure. And this is why me personally, going back to that last question about, you know, is the certification worth it? I'm also one of those people that don't even believe a master's is worth it, to be quite honest. Um, and I, and I'm, and I'm saying this with this question, because if I would have been in college and I would have known about the CRA, CRC Academy, I hands down would have used my tuition money, extracted that money and actually took in these academies because of the fact that somebody that worked since she was 19, I didn't realize that I was building a huge background portfolio for myself, just staying in the clinical industry since I was 19, just to work, just to get exposure. I went from secretary to medical medical department, to overseeing documentations without realizing that I was building myself quite big. So by the time I was in college, 
right? Um, like uh, the higher end part of my college degree, I was getting paid what some of these graduates got paid once they finally got out with the degree, right? Because I already had so much experience and exposure. I understood that very early on before I even graduated. Uh, so I was actively looking for things that I could go in immediately and build my background on, right? And so I say that because, again, with these academies, you're getting that experience and exposure. So when you come into these interviews or when you do your resume, you understand not literally plain sight, like, you know, what's here on paper. Okay, well, they want X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to put X, Y, and Z. It's one thing to put it on your application. It's a whole other thing to be able to actively and eloquently speak on it in the way that they are wanting. They're wanting you to be able to elaborate and understand the processes and background. So for example, if you, you know, let's say graduated with your master's in clinical research and you have all this backing behind you and you're wanting to do regulatory compliance, you're going to come in and say, well, I have my degree and I have this and I have that. Um, I understand the academia and you're giving them all surface view information that everybody knows. Right. But you're going to come in. You're somebody else is going to come in, let's say a coordinator that doesn't even have a bachelor's, but a coordinator that has five years experience that can come in and duly explain the biggest problems in research, their previous experience, the way that they were able to come in and address these issues. Right. Um, and talking about the importance of those issues and why he or she addressed them the way they did in regards to not just the site level, but understand the CRO and the sponsor need, that is gold, right? So that's why I'm saying, you know, don't just be focused and hung up on just what it is, what is it that they want? What are the skills that they want? Look at what you have, look at your background, understand in depth what you are bringing to, to the table and figure out how you're going to elaborate on that, considering that company's wants, needs, and issues. That right there is going to be the most strongest way that you can present yourself. So stop worrying about what they need, because you're going to be applying to more than just one company, right? And each company, on a, on a general basis, they all kind of have the want and same needs. But some of them have bigger focuses, right? And, and more things that they're looking for from their new team members or however you want to put it. So it's the most general response I could give and a little bit much, but yeah. Excellent. <clears throat> and it gave me a water break. All right, Jesse, clinical research coordinator roles are too nuanced and complex to be worked on fully remote. I agree 100%. All right, if there's more than 100, it's that. The sports yeah. cliche, it's more than 100%. I agree. Coordinator roles there are going to be more and more elements of it that are decentralized. Like, let's do some, let's do this visit virtually instead of in person. Okay, that's fine. But what happens when the patient needs to come do a blood draw? And what happens when you got to ship the blood on dry ice or ambient? I mean, all of a sudden, this whole thing collapses with let's do this all virtually, all these mm -hmm. virtual visits. Like, you want to kill decentralized clinical trial? Shipping labs on dry ice. Like, how are you going to do this virtually? We don't have like Star Trek technology to be able to drop blood virtually, get dry ice virtually, ship it, spin the tubes virtually. It doesn't happen. And that's just the lab aspect. There's the whole investigational product accountability. There's some drugs you cannot ship to patients' home 
Like there are infusions, there's injections, there's subcutaneous. You have to switch injection locations. So if you've been a coordinator at one of these DCT companies, it's time to get serious about your career and get back to a traditional site near you. Uh, public service announcement. Uh, LinkedIn user says, Ashley, are you getting interviews? I've been on the market since January. This is a senior CRA. Mm-hmm. I've had three interviews, but they have literally slowed down since the last interview I had was last month. Yeah, so I've, I've gone through that process. Um, I would say that at that point, then it's coming down to maybe the therapeutic areas you have experience in, right? Because we all know that, that that does play a role. My therapeutic area is uh, uh, neuro rare disease gene therapy. Um, so that's already very hard to come by. So I think that that obviously plays into favor for me. Um, and then again, I will say, and and I'm not just assuming this, I know because it's came up in the actual conversations, but there's also kind of um, a highlight to me based off on all the things that I'm doing outside of just my work, right? People or companies are liking that I am a face of something. Um, so that I, I know that that helps as well. Um, but I think it does come down to that, your therapeutic area, the background, and maybe even the region that you're in. Because if they, if it's a CRA position that is regional travel, right? Um, or there's only, yeah, like regional travel, say like, just for example, let's say North Carolina, right? And there's so many applicants and they only need one because there's already a plethora, like that can be an issue. Um, so yeah, I think it's just that. And then again, the industry takes its time in applying. Um, I do feel some people get white glove service. Uh, where, where, and what I mean by that is, you know, you kind of stand out a little bit more and, and they just reach out to you quite quickly or your recruiter that is handling your application is maybe a senior recruiter and they're overseeing multiple different applications. I mean, there's just so many things to be considered of. And um, so um, I do hate to know that, you know, you've only had that many interviews. Um, that's very, very unfortunate, but don't give up because again, um, there's just so many jobs out there for CRE roles. Um, and even though you might be a traveling CRA, if you're only applying to certain ones, then maybe at this point, since we're already getting into June, consider the things that you are trying to avoid and maybe start being a little bit more open about um, some of those things if there are aspects in there that you're only applying to for certain certain things that they're offering. Um, but that's honestly the, the most I could give you. Um, so yeah. Someone has to jumpstart from somewhere. So how to get into CRA job without having experience? Site level, small site mm-hmm. near you. Yeah. Ask. Katie's not on. Daisy's on. I see Daisy in the comments here. Daisy wants to go to SOS conference too. This is my CRC in Yuma. She's probably at the desk right now. There's probably a patient visit right now. Shout out to Daisy. She's going to be, because I have CRO as well. When I need a part-time remote site monitor, who do you think I'm going to reach out to first? Like, my CRCs, they're available. They could do the remote site monitor in their off time, a few hours here and there. Mm-hmm. She got in at a small site level, right? Before that, she was at a big institution, UC San Diego, everything's streamlined. But the way to do it is to get at the small site 
work your way up. I should have Casey on. Casey, Ashley, you know Casey Figueroa. She mm-hmm. handles a bunch of our stuff. She's monitoring for us now. Oh, like awesome. she's probably actually right now she's probably monitoring a site for us um, in Napa Valley. Lucky her too. She gets Napa. She gets to have have wine afterwards. But she was a coordinator for over ten years. All right, no bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. She's grandfathered in due to experience. If you most of the time you need a degree if you can be a CRA, but if you have enough experience, sometimes 10 years is what it takes. Yeah. Somebody's going to say, you know what? I know I could trust you to do this. There's no rules that say I need a someone who's going to be a CRA with a bachelor's degree. I just need someone competent to do it. This girl has worked for me for 10 years. I know she can do it. Boom. Now you're a CRA. Yeah, I will say this, um, especially those that are trying to get into CRA role, you have to, you have to pay your dues. Like, and I don't say this lightly. Look, before I got into research, um, uh, not before I got into research, when I got into research, I was at a hybrid clinic. The only way I could work at that time to do that, I, w- I was in college. I would wake up a 7 a.m go to college doing my what 16 hour session, 18 hour session coming out at five o'clock. I got a job that was hybrid, but I would have to do the night shift. Meaning sometimes I wouldn't get home till one, one 32 AM and have to do it all over again. Right. It was brutal. But I will also say this, that, um, and I don't talk about this often cause it's like it's a little personal thing, but I would do that job. Okay. And part of the deal with that job was also that since I was the night shift, that I also had to do janitorial work. So the last hour, two hours, I would be, and this is a clinic was not the cleanest, okay? Um, And it was a very high, it's in a rural area, very high. We would see about 80, sometimes 112 patients a day. They had a lot of providers, but that's how huge and crazy it was. At night, I would be picking up trash, I'd be mopping, sweeping, I mean, cleaning up some really gross stuff. And I remember very distinctly, you know, at times feeling very, very down because of the fact that I knew I was more than that, right? Um, And, you know, driving home was always insane. It was brutal. This was for two years, okay? Two years of hardly sleeping, doing this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Every night I would tell myself, I'm doing this because I need to build on this. I have to build on this. This is the only way I can get out of my rural area and build on that. And that was the only opportunity to have that paid me, you know, somewhat decent. So that's what I did. And it was very challenging, you know, mentally, physically, but I sucked it up. And so that's just, there are some beautiful stories out there where you just kind of follow into it, but no. And mind you, when I came out, when I graduated and came out, I still didn't get picked up. I had to do another three years of public health. That was the shittiest, sorry my language, but it was the most horrible thing I had to experience because I was not motivated. I did not like my job. I loved the people I worked with, but I did not like my job. And it was, it ate at me. And I finally took some time to, you know, I, but I did it because I was in, an, uh, in a well-known academic medical setting that was known for Nobel laureate in research. And I, and that was my second time 
my second round, uh, so total of five years, second round of sucking it up for the branding. And it paid off. Wow. It paid off. That's the first time here here first, guys. That's the story. That shows you right there what it takes. I mean, and the passion that it requires. And this is not a job. This is a career, guys. We'll get to these questions. Ashley, we got to have you more on more often. These are great (laughs) comments. Never had a more engaged group. Dan, there are things you don't understand how DCT model runs. I know. The entire industry doesn't understand how DCT model runs. Not just me. I am playing with it, though, at my site. This is probably a good segue to get into the advice because, no, I don't understand how DCT runs. I've been trying to figure it out. I understand bits and pieces, but I don't understand it fully. I don't think that anyone does, actually. Mm-hmm. I think people want it so to work mean. a certain way. But there's tools like eSource, right? Like the simplest you can get is like eSource, eReg. Okay, what's next? Well, next is like direct to patient. And there's there's some models where they have staff go to the patient home. There's there's other companies like MedVector, which I'm actually trying to use, Alaba. So like I'm trying to understand by using MedVector is a promising one. I know Brad uses it where they'll have referring physicians and then you can do the visit virtually with the patient without them having to leave their referring physician's office. Like there's elements of this that are going to take off and some that won't. Right. But what I'm saying is like most sites, most coordinators, it's, it's not yet. We're not there yet where we have remote coordinators. Uh, That's all I'm saying. But if you worked at one of these non-traditional DCT type of companies and you got laid off, you can bring some of this to your sites in your area. Say, hey, have you heard about Viva? You can get on eReg for free. Have you heard about Creo? Have you heard about Versatrial, where you can get access to all your platforms collaboratively? Have you heard about MedVector? And there's so many other vendors out there that you can mess around with. Um, so that's like one of the things I would do if I were a somebody that got laid off from one of these non-traditional ones is like bring elements of it. Not all of that stuff was bad. Like Care has had some really good ideas, some innovative stuff. If you could bring pieces of what worked to the traditional sites and empower the traditional sites to use these things to better themselves, you've got it. You've got job security. Mariana, kind regards from Romania. Oh, wow. Buna dimineața sau buna seara, nu știu. I've never heard uh, you say that. <laughs> that's a first. Let's start Romanians and clunker research it's next. Smooth, guys. like your Spanish. <laughs> Don't give Monica another idea. Uh, Wisdom, I love this name. I'm a coordinator with over three years UK experience. How do I get my foot in the CRA door? You just do it. It starts here, Wisdom. Mm-hmm on LinkedIn, network with these people out here. Um, Rewatch this me, recording. <laughs> do what you got to do to get, get uh, go to 100 jobs, all right? Just start getting interviews. Um, thank you for mentioning you're considering pursuing project management to enhance your marketability for future roles. I was unsure if PMP or ACRP PM certification would be indicated. Mm-hmm. And people are looking uh, like people like your idea of the PM thing. Is there a chance to get a job in CR fully remote without experience, just online courses? CRA Academy. 
you get this C, yeah. you get the breast cancer experience. For right now, it's still breast cancer. I think in a few more quarters, we're switching over, God willing, to the rare disease stuff, which should power yeah. us for the next seven years. Rare disease, good. Asher's gonna be involved. She doesn't even know yet. <laughs> uh, how do? Can you tell me how does subject recruitment process work for different sites, and can it be automated? I don't think it can be automated, Rajat. It can be streamlined, but ultimately somebody like me, like Daisy, I wish Daisy can jump on right now, but she's with a patient. Daisy, if you're watching, comment. But we can't we can uh, we can streamline it up until the point of like contact. Like somebody needs to call. And I know we're in the age of texting. Most of my patients that we've gotten from central recruitment campaigns require a phone call to come in. Somebody has to persuade them to at least show up for their screening visit. Mm -hmm. And I think that requires a little bit of experience and somebody who knows what they're talking about. Because patients ask different kind of questions. Um and a lot of it's study specific also. So it's not just understanding research. It's understanding the particular protocol. Yeah. And the population that, that you're trying to address too. That too. Like, I mean, once you get into like a language stuff, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Judy Galindo from LIC, Latinos and Clunker Research. You know, that's what she talks about. This one's going to block all of our faces, but. <laughs> the job seeking experience isn't for the faint hearted. It's a test of character and stamina. Crossing over from site level to other areas of research is extremely difficult, irrespective of value add your skills may bring. In addition to applying for opportunities, make this time about spilling up, rebranding, consulting, etc. I could say the waiting period is not being wasted on me. Exactly yeah. right attitude. Exactly right. I think Samantha gets it. It's not a job. It's a career. Yeah. What do you think about people that... What do you think about this, Ashley? The people that worked in this industry because of the hiring frenzy that was post-COVID until recently. Mm -hmm. And now they've never had like a real job in clinical research. They've had like these untraditional like experimental roles. Mm Mm-hmm. They want to quit, go to another industry. Like, what do you think? They they saw it as a job. Maybe they wanted to see it as a career, but now they're going to other industries because I've had comments say, hey, I'm going to leave this industry. I mean, I think it's, you know, to, to each your own, right? We all have different journeys. Um, I think it's doable. I think it's fine. Um, I mean, I left an industry which technically I could have stayed in probably – gotten paid much more in the sense of my background experience but the thing is I, co- I think it comes down to like what are you what are you looking what are you seeking what are you getting out of that career right what like, the purpose that you're getting from it right and so for me the uh, and when I first met you I told you for me I, I'm huge on biotechnology AI I like I like health and like helping uh, people but coming from the healthcare industry, I felt that that was an industry that yes, just kind of like the pharmaceutical, there's, um, you know, their processes take forever and all these things, but 
there still wasn't really an aspect of real innovation happening. It was just the same things over and over and over again, um, no matter how high you went up, right? And so when I looked into research, even if processes are still old and take a long time to change, the point being is that the work that you're doing though is part of future movement, right? And especially now, even more so, I think I really took to heart what it is that I wanted because outside of my job, I'm helping potentially maybe create movement towards actual faster track processes in the industry through LICR, through SOS, through all these things. So um, I think people should always be open to that, being really mindful about where the industry, the industry that you're in, if is it really giving you what it is that you need? Because you can be in it for years and it cannot necessarily be suited for what it is that you're wanting to get out of it, right? So um, I, I'm not surprised people are doing that. Um, I actually encourage it, to be quite honest. Um, I think that if for me personally, if if this industry were to somehow stop meeting that aspect for me, I'd probably jump into tech. Um, but for the most part, I don't, I, I see myself being here like legit because of all the extra things that we're doing now. And yeah, but. Uh, let's get through some more of these questions. Are there opportunities to do monitoring work during the weekends? Yes. Well, at least for my company, for my organization. Yeah. But we're not hiring guys. We're very small. <laughs> what, um, my, this one's interesting to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. This one. Having a master's degree in neurobiology, mostly working in academic, last job was a neurobiology lab manual, lab manager, sorry, mm -hmm. trying to rebrand myself and thinking of CPM in the future, what would be a good start to put myself in that path? Currently taking monitoring courses, do you think I'm eligible for something like CTA or regulatory coordinator to start with? Yes. Oh, Yeah. What you need think, to do is get on, like, map out the 50 biotechs that do neurobiology that you're familiar with the science and tell them, hey, I have this background. You could work me into this role, but I'll start as regulatory coordinator. I'll start below my pay because this is where I want to be as a PM. Mm -hmm. You just need to have, like, 50 of these conversations and start on LinkedIn and end up in interviews until you find one that that takes you on. I would say look at lead CTA roles in sponsor level. Lead CTA roles. Uh. Yeah, because if it's just a CTA, I think you might come across um, again, if you're if you're coming uh, and not to put damper on it, but like a basic recruiter that doesn't know the process, that maybe a senior recruiter after so many years of talking to these different divisions would understand, you have the risk of them coming like, no, you're overqualified, right? Um, um, but if you're dealing with a senior recruiter or if you're going through a lead role, you can see that through your background, right? Um, that you can jump into a lead role. Uh, so I would I would say lead lead TTA for sure. And just like what Dan had said, that was on that honestly would probably be one of my first things that I do. Um, what Dan just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, geez, we've got I mean, let's go through a few more of these. Yeah. Uh, two years of a CRC at a small site, get an entry level CRA role. You, in this case, you have to have a bachelor's for the mm -hmm. most part. If you've got 10 years or more, there's a small enough CRO out there that will take you on. But it has to be like 10 years of CRC at the right site where you're really doing everything as a CRC. Mm -hmm. Like small, small uh, site where you are a generalist. 
there are no bridge programs taking entry levels anymore. I'm a form, foreign pharmacy grad, by the way. Um, work with your existing CRAs. All right. You have the degree. Work with your existing CRAs. That's where you start. Work here on LinkedIn. But that's really where it starts is the existing CRAs. And the networking. Yeah. Yeah. Networking. Saveoursites.com. I know it's February, but plan out ahead. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's not free. We've had a free conference before and people didn't show up because well, people did show up, but not a lot of people showed up because they thought it was going to be a sales pitch. Yeah. So we made a nominal fee for people to come. Plus helps pay for the venue and the food and all those things. We're not looking to make money off of this ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, foreign physicians love that. Hey, Carlos. I've had the toughest time making my way into clinical research. Apparently overqualified by underexperienced research site, small research site, Carlos, near you. The PIs are going to love you because you are a physician just like they are. They're going to trust you. Some of my best CRCs ever were foreign trained physicians. They understood the lab results. They understood the EKG and they were able to point things out to the PI when they brought things for the PI to sign. It's like an extra layer of AI. Um, I actually had a a client um, who worked at um, academia and he offered his his services as a translator to physicians first and then mentioned his background and then stated that he would be happy to help in recruitment um, if coordinator was not an option. And also happy to do it um, kind of on a on a PRN basis, which is good because it at least helps your branding. You're at least getting out there. You get an exposure. You can help. And then, of course, you're again, you're staying in that that doctor's or PI's radar. So, I mean, I think I think with somebody like your background, especially, um, you know, because I know that you went through the CRC Academy um, when you have such a specific background, I think that there's so many ways for you to offer yourself and not literally just through that one position, especially if you take the time to go present yourself and you say that, well, I'm a, an IMG, I'm an international medical graduate. I'd love to speak to your PI about uh, assisting him as a physician or as however you'd like just to get your foot in the door to get talking with the doctor because the doctor will see you as a peer, obviously, and and you can speak more openly about the opportunities in which you can help him. Maybe coming to the site and coming to the medical office director or the, the site coordinator, it'd be different as, as opposed to actually speaking with an, a physician, the PI, and seeing how you can help. Because I know that that individual who I'm talking about went directly over, oversaw the coordinator for the office and went straight to the PI and had a, an open, genuine conversation about his skill set, his background, and how he'd be happy to help the doctor. So... And the PI, so something maybe to consider. Okay, uh, Rika says, I'm from Ohio. Is there an interactive digital version of SOS available so people like me from out of state can take advantage? Hi, Ashley. Rika, currently, yeah. I don't know. Um, currently, the answer is no. Yeah. It's affordable enough to where, you ha- yes, you have to pay for your own flight in a hotel. Um, but compared to the other conferences, it's like 10x cheaper. Yeah. So no, but we may work on something in the future. This is our first one. So yeah. that we're figuring things out. Mm-hmm. But that's been on the table 
Um, if any of you guys here are really like it peaked an in interest, just saying we are nine months away, but wow, as, as yeah, as but as an organized person, I'm telling you, like you, you want to at least know for sure if you're gonna go by September, August, September, the latest, because the the preparation and then actually getting a hotel and all that stuff, you want to make sure that you're you're getting all that uh, situated in advance. Uh, what are the current job prospects and emerging opportunities for feasibility analysts? This mm. is a good question. What initiatives and strategies are being implemented to enhance and improve feasibility questionnaires using cancer? So I actually think this is interesting because one of the um, companies I was speaking to, uh, they were only hiring, they're only hiring for one particular thing. And I was being discussed with one particular thing. And this was a site network. Um, but once they came back after discussing it with one of the head PIs, they were actually asking, well, you know what? We'd actually like to know, do you do site visibility? Which I thought was interesting because one that just showed me that somewhere in between there might be a slight disconnect of what's needed additional to the role that they were being considered, that they were considering me for. But second, that um, there's obviously at the higher up level, they know, again, site network, they know that they're needing these kinds of things more and more, especially as they're growing. So again, perfect example as to why not only just apply to jobs, but I think also presenting your face and speaking to somebody about what your capabilities are, making sure that all the little uh, specific details are on your resume. But when you chat with them, talk about things you can do also outside of that job description, because if you want to, again, make yourself that much more, um, forget the word, it's kind of less right now, but if you want to make yourself that much more valuable to them, these are some of the things that I would even say to, to, to cover or to mention. Um, so yeah. Okay. Wow. These are a lot. Okay. Just, yeah. Just started as a clinical research technician at an academic site. What time frame do you think I should aim for to reach that coordinator level? So some of coming from academia, I've seen academia before, um, they are going to, and Dan, you've mentioned this, they're going to focus in on just one particular role set. So during that time frame, make it a point to let whoever's above you know that, hey, can I shadow this? Can I shadow that? I'd love to know this. I'd like to be a backup. That's what I did. They never needed help, but I said, look, if there's ever a situation that somebody can't show up, I'd love to be their backup. Can you cross-train me? So... I got cross-trained. I didn't ask for more money, nothing like that. But knowing full where, full well aware that my strategy was to use that to my advantage later, right? So um, I got cross-trained on almost every department in where I used to work. Um, and yeah, so get cross-training. If you can get certified on the back end, if you want to be a coordinator, do the CRC training in the meantime. It's virtual. You can get that experience and exposure then you can talk to your coordinator and say, hey, I'm doing this training. I'd love to help you, you know, make me make use of me. Right. Um, and when you see and if they say no, just wait around. If you see days where they're super stressed out and say, hey, I told you I'm doing this training. Let me help you doing it for free. Don't be dumb. You know, that's exactly what I would do to to whoever needed my help or who wouldn't want to utilize me because they're being, you know, they're being, uh, I forget what they call it, they're gatekeeping or whatever. People Academia are is a lovely place. Yeah. Look, Ali, I got a homework for you. You're on mm -hmm. YouTube. I need you to, the comment underneath yours on StreamYard, 
is Daisy. Okay. This is my CRC. She worked at academic place, something very similar to this clinical research technician. I don't even know what that is, but it's very streamlined. It sounds like it. Daisy's now doing everything at our site. Just finished a blood draw, she said. Okay. The, the ability to level up your skill set, like Samantha said, skilling up, is much more effectively done at a small community clinic. Not to say you can't do it within academia. And academia has some really good things they bring to the table. But a career development, they're not known for this. Okay. So that's your homework. Go connect with Daisy on LinkedIn and talk to her about how she did it. Or if you don't want to leave YouTube, just watch my video with Daisy on YouTube. How she did it. That might be the way to go. Uh, CT educators. Yeah, I remember some of the CROs hired people called clinical trial educators. These were usually like RNs that had some experience with research. They go mm -hmm. around helping sites recruit patients. It's okay. It's not. It didn't really help us much. But there, these are roles that you can get into if you're an RN, and you could probably have an impact in different communities. But it it does require some travel. You know anything about this, Ashley? Um, not the educators, but yeah, it, it's um, not on the clinical trial end. But there are educators. They are normal, like you mentioned. Um, uh, registered nurses, I would assume on the more on the product management end, to be quite honest, where let's like it's biotech, say like di diabetes devices, talking about explaining to the patient on uh, about the device, how to work it, uh, the background of it, kind of get them more aware of the whole thing. But as far as, you know, clinical trial, um, not so much that I'm aware of, no. Okay. We're almost done, guys. Thank you so much. I know, it's like, subscribe, comment, share. Uh, Yvonne says, as a CRC, I think we are the most important aspect in keeping studies running smoothly. Absolutely. It's not even debatable. This is the case. How can coordinators try to negotiate higher pay? I love this. Right when Daisy's watching. Yeah. Daisy, don't get ideas. Right? <laughs> we'll, work. we'll work with you. Um, so with this one... Um... Kind of like what I mentioned earlier, uh, where you, if you want, you have to set a goal, right? If, at the end of the year, you want to get paid X amount more. First of all, be reasonable about what you're asking for. Don't yes. literally be over the top because then you're setting yourself up for failure. Because, you know, one, if you're at a CR, CRC or CRO or a sponsor and you're a clinical trial coordinator that's remote, that's one thing. They obviously have a bigger budget to work with. If you're at a site or site network, obviously they're not as much room to, to work with. Um, to be reasonable about your goals, right? Uh, what I like to do is think about what's the current focus about that company, right? What is something that is a current issue that I can work on? Because obviously not only not are you just being better and working better, but you're actually bringing higher value to the company itself. So say if a company is barely starting and they're trying to be more efficient, work on efficiency uh, issues, uh, uh, process improvements, right? And actually take documentation of that um, not only that, but uh, uh, quantify it in the sense of how by how much percentage, right? If you can, because metrics are always great to have. Um, 
Think about the trainings that you've had. Make yourself more valuable. So again, like let's say feasibility, for example, if you're a CRC and you don't know about feasibility and you want to get trained in that, get trained in that. So now instead of them hiring somebody that would naturally cost more, they have you to do that. Obviously, though, it's going to be more work on you. So gauge about gauge on how far you're willing to work more the following year. Know that that work is going to get increased for you to make more money the following year after that. So just you be fully mindful about not just the money and what you can do in this year, but what that's going to mean for your level up, leveling up the the year after that and the year after that. Right? It's gonna more is going to be expected. Excuse me, expected of you. So work smarter, not harder. Think very critically about what you're willing to do and how much you're willing to ask for. And does that coincide with each other? Yeah. And know what kind of company you're at. If you're at a startup, Katie and Daisy, I know you guys, shout out to them, by the way. They're going to go SOS conference. Um, <laughs> one of my jobs as a site owner like a small side owner is to keep the employees mm -hmm. that I want around. So I understand there's competitors outside, even mm -hmm. if they're not similar type of companies that are out there. So I try to, I mean, the financial aspect is very important for workers. Yeah. I try to first make a stable job. Then I try to make it lucrative for them too. So yeah. we're thinking of doing things like bonuses based on enrollments and different things like that. Um, but one of the things I do, like, everybody's got to do what what they can do like use use their advantages side side gigs like through my other companies um what i will say know, is this have opportunities so. the the environment right because like i can say for example i loved where i worked i loved you know the opportunities that were given to me but the environment right um it wasn't about losing the pay uh, actually what hit me the most was losing my line manager because he was amazing and I enjoyed working with him. He was very supportive. Um, so that spoke a lot to me when it came down to the actual like process of going through it. Um, so yeah, I mean, money, money talks obviously, but again, don't just think about the money. You want to think about where you're at. Like, are you, are you comfortable where you're at? Are you, are you happy where you're at? Because if, that can't be made or that can't be met. Um, you want to be okay. Well, then how much less am I willing, right? And and does that equate to if I had to leave because I felt my needs were not met? Would I be willing to leave that environment, that culture? Because I can tell you right now, you will get paid more and be offered more somewhere else. But there's a reason why you're getting offered higher pay and that job is open, right? Because sometimes somebody might not like where they're working. And, you know, vice versa, right? So, again, those kinds of things you have to be mindful of and not just be like... Somebody might have just left. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because exactly. the managers are just intolerable yeah. and they're throwing money out there for somebody else to step in and yeah. take that abuse or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that is a very real thing. So... Uh, in 10 minutes, I got a call for Yuma Clinical Trials. You want to jump on it with me, Ashley? You get some feasibility experience. Let's do it, whatever. Do you think someone with, we're trying to get new studies for Daisy and Katie and Desiree. Mm -hmm. Do you think someone with transferable skills like project management, but no direct CR experience oh, yeah. can get into the industry? Yeah. Um, I will say though, that if you have a foundation 
of clinical research and not direct experience. So like the, the academies, I, I would recommend that. I don't get any anything directly from the academy. So this is just, I'm not promoting, I'm just saying based off of my experience, based off of what I would be doing, I, I would do that. Um, just because again, it's, you have the skill sets that are transferable and the way that you can kind of help yourself doesn't mean that you wouldn't get any interviews without that. No, you could probably still get interviews. But again, ultimately how you're gonna to respond to those answers, you need to know the foundation of research. You need to get a, your personal viewpoint as a project management manager, you need to have your understanding of clinical research thoroughly so that when you're responding to those questions that they're gonna ask you, if you're coming in with no industry experience, you at least can show that you understand the concepts and how you would be useful, right? And by knowing that is through education. So that's just like natural process thinking for me. Mm, how can one get into clinical development department? I saw a few posts, CDD and research. I believe that is very relevant for IMGs. Yeah. And also the neurobiology major above. This is like on the science stuff. I think the small, just like small sites are the way to go. Small sponsors are the way to go as well. I've all, I've been saying small is the new big for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think that just the most opportunities are there uh, at the small sites or small biotechs in this case. I'm looking for a regulatory coordinator with experience. Any advice on where to start looking? Thank you. Um, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. They're in the comments. You should go on LinkedIn and see the comments. There's people probably that would want to do this. Alan says, it's going to be hard to negotiate at smaller sites. Network and go to the sponsor or CRO side or start your own site. Yes. But be careful, guys. The grass is not always greener. You know how many people I know go for more pay to CROs and sponsors, and then they want to come back to the sites because it's flexibility of schedule. It's less less pressure. You worked in a high-pressure environment at CRO. Yeah. You just kind of glossed over that. Mm -hmm. That's high it's pressure. It's, it's pressure. Um, if you're not an organized person, don't even step in there because you're going to get eaten up, quite honestly. Um, and even as a very organized person, I mean, like I said, I could literally be busy every minute of the eight hour day. If I actively like tried to just do something, there was always work to be done. There was always deadlines to be met and you have multiple people that are coming to you from every angle, um, all the time. So yes. Sierra and sponsor does pay more. You can negotiate more bigger budgets, but for a reason. <laughs> so um, again, be mindful of who you are, what you want. If you like having a job that you can do, but also coast in the middle, stay where you're at. <laughs> stay where you're at because CROs and sponsors, you know, you're going to work after hours. Like that's a given. Now they're actually putting that in the job descriptions. I'm seeing that more often. Uh, be willing to work you know, after uh, evenings and sometimes weekend hours based off on uh, deadlines and meeting points, which means always, right? You're always having to meet deadlines. You're always having, something's happening all the time. So you would need to be willing because they know that the regular eight hour day is not enough time. So. Daisy says, I can attest to that high pressure, more pay isn't always worth it. Yes, Daisy. Uh, Calvin, last one, last one. When it comes to creating SOPs for streamlining the completion of feasibility questionnaires, 
who should take the responsibility, the site or the CRO? They both have the, they both need SOP for feasibility. The site has their own process, how they complete it. On my site, it's me, usually. And then at CRO, it's how they, how they send out the feasibilities, distribute, um, how they analyze. So everybody does this. Inato, one of my sponsors, shout out to Inato, is looking to disrupt this by getting involved in between the site and the CRO. They're neither. They're a tech vendor. And they're getting they're taking the they're taking this task head on. And Nato, I use it. Katie, my other CRC, uses it. We're gonna get the other two to use it. Actually, there's a new study in there we gotta look at, guys. But um this is one of the companies th this is like one of the areas of research where I think in the future it's gonna be a little streamlined um, using tech. So yeah, both need SOPs, sites and zeros. Anything else, Ashley? What we're gonna wrap up. You're gonna jump on my next call with you, McClango Charles. You feel like Let's representing us? Okay. I mean <laughs> get a hold of Ashley link to her LinkedIn is somewhere it's not underneath it'll be underneath on youtube okay. and in the podcast but if you're watching it live just click google her name on linkedin you'll find it right just there. you know fyi you guys i'm not as active like i don't post a lot of stuff uh, everything i do is external so just in case you guys are wanting to follow for that reason um there's not much there <laughs> it's just then you know i do answer my direct messages though so that's right. All right. Thank you, guys. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Thank you to the sponsors, Versatrail and Nato and Creo. Everybody go check them out underneath the video and in the show notes. Bye-bye.